Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today, Houston Chronicle Astros writer Chandler Rome joins us to discuss what's the latest with the defending division champions and, of course, the Astros cheating scandal and the continuing fallout from that. All of that next on A's Plus. Chandler, let's start off talking a little bit about this series. Obviously, it's still a big one, uh, despite how unusual the season is. Uh, how, how are you looking at this A's-Astros first meeting of 2020, even under uh, pandemic conditions? Well, I think you can look at what the Astros just did with their rotation, and that can kind of tell you how they're viewing it. Um, they did make a shakeup in their rotation yesterday. Zach Greinke was supposed to start the series finale here in Arizona on Thursday instead the Astros are going to take Josh James out of their rotation. They inserted Brandon Belak, a rookie who's going to make his big league, his first major league start today in Arizona. He's going to pitch against the Diamondbacks, and then they're going to throw Zach Greinke against the A's to start that series off. Obviously, they did not want a rookie making his first big league start to do it in the Coliseum uh, against the A's in games that mean a lot. And Dusty Baker has not shied away from saying that the Oakland series is magnified and and every game against the American league West is obviously magnified in a 60 game season. But when you look at these, these two teams are clearly the class of the division and Dusty Baker is making sure that there's a lot of emphasis put on these three games. He was going to rest Michael Brantley, who's been battling a quad injury. He was going to rest him the entire, the entire diamondback series just to have him healthy to go in Oakland. Um, The way they're lining up the rotation, the way that, um, they're resting guys and configuring their lineup. That should just go to show you that the Astros are putting a huge premium on their games against the A's. And um, it's a little bit out of the Astros' luck that, you know, they're going to go to the Coliseum seven times this year. And uh, the A's only come to Minute Maid Park three times. So that's a little bit of bad luck for them. But I don't think anybody in baseball is ever going to feel sorry for the Astros. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to launch into more about this series. But let's just go straight <laughs> straight to that. Because that's really what everybody probably wants to know, thinks of when they think of the Astros right now, is the, the cheating scandal, the fallout from that. Um are the Astros catching a little bit of a break here this season with no fans in stands? Because obviously they would be coming to Oakland for a first series. And if the first of all, it would probably be packed, uh, I'm guessing, because fans, uh, especially in the American League West and, and, you know, Dodgers fans are particularly unhappy with the Astros. But now there's no fans in the stands at all. How much does that change the complexion? Oh, it certainly does, and you don't want to be—you um, don't want to be morbid about it, and you, and you want to put this in proper perspective. That the Astros, yes, they caught a break, but they didn't want to catch it this way. They didn't want a pandemic to happen. They didn't want you know the global health crisis that's going on to to, to, to precipitate it. But people have not forgotten about the sign stealing scandal. Joe Kelly um, certainly made sure people are remembering. But you look at my Twitter mentions every day, and you look at any time. You know, a guy gets hit by a pitch. You look at any time Jose Altuve, George Springer, or Alex Bregman have an O for night, and, and it just blows up. Um, people have not forgotten, and I think when fans are allowed back in the stands, hopefully in 2021, um, God willing, um, when fans are allowed back, they will receive the brunt of what's gone on. But I, I do think, you know, the pandemic has allowed certain people to put things in a proper perspective. Um, maybe that, you know, while sign stealing is bad and while cheating is bad, there are 
far greater concerns to get through this baseball season than punishing the Astros for something they did three years ago. So um, you're right in saying that they are getting a break. Um, that was going to be the story of their season in a normal way was was how psychologically they were going to handle going into road venues 81 times a year and just getting absolutely destroyed by, by opposing fans. And they don't have to deal with that now. Um, they, they can focus on baseball. They can focus on you know staying healthy protecting their families, protecting their clubhouse. But um, it, it has not gone away, and I, I imagine that the talking points um, will remain anytime they go into a different road city, and Oakland's going to be no different. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Joe Kelly and the Dodgers series. I, I mean, is that a constant concern that, you know, there could be flare-ups on the field, there could be ramifications on the field? Well, Dusty Baker was asked about that right after the Joe Kelly incident. He tries to kind of deflect it, and that's that's kind of why Dusty's here, right? He, he's here to deflect a lot of things. He's here to to you know be that sage, wise guy that can galvanize his club. But um, I, I think when you saw what Joe Kelly did, and you saw how MLB reacted, I, I'm not sure other teams want to risk, especially other contending teams that want to make this expanded playoff field. If you're going to get an eight-game suspension for, let's remember, Joe Kelly didn't hit anybody. He, he threw behind Alex Bregman, clearly threw at his head. Um, he, he threw inside to Carlos Correa, but he did not hit anyone. And he still received an eight-game suspension. That's obviously um, still under appeal. But I, I, I think Major League Baseball certainly did a that, – that's a daunting precedent to set, that if anyone's going to throw at the Astros, they're going to get that sort of suspension. I, I'm not sure any contending team would want – to lose a valuable member of their of their club for that long in a 60-game season. And I think Major League Baseball certainly set a precedent that a lot of teams are going to have to consider now because I'm, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that there were teams that were considering doing exactly what Joe Kelly did. Maybe not throwing at the head, maybe not you know taunting and sticking the tongue out and things like that, but there were teams and players, I imagine, that had their minds set on retribution, on retaliation. And if they're going to get that long of a suspension in a 60-game season, I think that uh, they're certainly going to have to reconsider. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable. In the midst of a pandemic, the last thing you want is benches clearing. I mean, just from a sheer safety perspective, uh, you know, besides the obvious possibility of getting hurt and something like that, now you're adding in a a virus. So uh, I think that's probably what just absolutely stopped that in its tracks. And, uh, you know, I don't think it takes any tension, certainly out of this series, because it's a big one. But... Uh, Mike Fires is not pitching in the series. He was the one publicly named whistleblower in this scandal, former Astro. The Astros already didn't like him. I think they they knew the uh, over the last couple of years that Fires had been telling every team he was on that the Astros were cheating. Uh, is there disappointment at all there among the Astros that they are not facing Fires? We haven't really been able to ask, and I'm sure, Susan, you're, you're combating the same sort of coverage issues I think we all are as beat writers. You know, we don't have that access to just go – and ask a lot of this stuff that you want to ask in the clubhouse and it's hinging on availabilities. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Astros pitching staff here in a second, but there are a lot of rookies on this pitching staff and that's mainly who we've been getting for the past two or three weeks is a lot of these rookies, (laughs) a lot of guys making their major league debuts, a lot of guys that just weren't here in 2017. And I don't think that's fair to maybe, maybe ask these guys to weigh in on something that they weren't around for. But um, you were onto something there that the Astros, their, their disdain for Mike Fires preceded him going to the athletic uh, going on record to the athletic and saying what happened oh yeah he'd been Um, telling people that for years right and and this is something that 
Um, there will be no love lost. Uh, I think certainly when you look at Mike Fires' history against the Astros, even before he spoke out to the Athletic, he has not pitched well against them. I believe when he there was that start, I can't remember when it was last year at Minute Maid Park, but he didn't make it out of the second inning. Gave up something like three or four home runs. And I mean, he has not fared very well against the Astros. And believe me when I tell you, even before everything came out and he blew the whistle, the Astros relished an opportunity to face Mike Fires. Oh, yeah. And, and it was it was one game that they circled on their schedule and they knew that they could go get him and they knew that they could hit him around and, and they have done that. So maybe from that aspect, they are a little uh, disappointed. They're not going to face a guy that they think that they can handle pretty well. But um, I don't think you would ever hear them say that publicly. Yeah, you, you mentioned all the rookie pitchers. How how different is this Astros team from the, the one that we've been used to seeing over the last two years? Obviously, some major changes with Cole leaving and Verlander's injury. Um, but uh, how would you evaluate them, especially from a pitching standpoint? Uh, you will not recognize three-fourths of this Astros pitching staff. Um, there are guys, I, I will be quite frank, there are two guys in their bullpen right now that, I have covered this team for three years, and until they came up and were put on the taxi squad here in the last couple of days, I, I did not know who they were. And, and so now they are major leaguers, and they are making their big league debut. Carlos Sanabria, Carlos Sanabria made his big league debut for the Astros last night here in Arizona. He was the ninth Astros pitcher to make his major league debut this season in their 11th game. Wow. And that should just, and that should just show you where they are right now. Um, Ken Rosenthal this morning, the athletic, I thought he had a great little uh, way to describe their bullpen. It's Ryan and the rookies. It's, <laughs> it's all-star setup man. Ryan Presley um, is the only guy in their bullpen with more than one year of major league service time. He is the only guy that is not a rookie in their bullpen. And that's changed a little bit now with Josh James coming out of the rotation and going into the bullpen. But um, there are a lot of rookies here. Um, their starting rotation has obviously not, performed to the capabilities that people thought coming in. You've mentioned they lost Garrett Cole. Justin Verlander is out. The Chron We've reported at the Chronicle that he will not pitch again this season. The Astros are um, not going that far yet, but um, it's looking more and more unlikely that he's going to return this season. So they've looked to guys to step up. They've got Zach Greinke, obviously, who um, who pitched well in his last outing, but Lance McCullers Jr. last night gave up eight earned runs in the fourth inning. And, and McCullers and Grinky are the backbones of this staff now. They've got to be the veteran guys that can stabilize this thing and that can be twice every five days the Astros have to have some form of comfort when they give the ball to a veteran starting pitcher. And McCullers didn't give them that last night. And they're just, with the way their bullpen is, they're going to be so reliant on rookies that they don't want to overtax them. They want to limit the high leverage spots as much as possible for these rookies. And, and they just weren't, they haven't been able to do that early. And their lineup is certainly um, what they return is one of the best in baseball, but their top three hitters aren't hitting. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and George Springer have gotten off to very, very slow starts this year. Altuve specifically, he's seven for his first 38. He struck out 13 times. Um, just not the Jose Altuve that anyone is accustomed to seeing. And when he is struggling like that, when those top three guys are struggling, it makes it really hard for this lineup to be uh, to go, to, to function. And even with that, they, they still are atop the American League in a lot of categories. They're getting on base. They're drawing walks. Um, they have a good OPS. But getting those three guys going is going to be crucial because they are going to have to outslug teams and they're going to have to outscore teams going forward. Wow, this might not be a bad time for the A's to be catching Houston, especially at home. Now, 
Um, how how do you view the A's from afar? They've they've won five in a row. Uh, you know the, the offense really is not even remotely clicking. Chris Davis is off to a terrible start, uh, but yet they seem to be finding ways to win. And their bullpen uh, bullpens are so hard to project as we know, but the bullpen so far looks like a, a really standout group. Yeah, and, and certainly when you were coming into the season, and certainly in a 60-game season, you looked at the A's and you're like, oh, they're going to have Lazardo, they're going to have Puck, they're going to have all the young guys are going to come up, and you really thought that they were going to be formidable, but obviously with with A.J. Puck being being down right now, Lazardo's in the rotation, he's a heel throw this weekend against the Astros. You certainly look at them, and, and my, the big question I had about the A's coming in is during the, during the last two seasons, at least from my vantage point, they have been a team that, that hasn't started particularly fast they haven't gotten out to to great records in the first half of the season but in the second half they've just turned it on and charged on and won 100 games and you wondered how that would translate into a 60 game season with uh if they got off to another slow start would they be able to overcome would they be able to compensate for that and certainly no i mean you look at them now they're eight and four um the Lazardo's in the rotation. You mentioned Chris Davis. I, I think Chris Davis' struggles sort of accentuate what everyone's going through. I mean, it's not just the Astros three guys that are struggling. You know, Pete Alonso was was really off for the Mets. Christian Yelich had to have a day off yesterday because he's been struggling. Chris Davis. So you're seeing like hitters around the league are struggling, and it's going to be just when you catch guys, when you catch uh, when you catch certain teams, you can catch them on a good day or a bad day. And I think you mentioned that the A's are going to catch the Astros. I think at a pretty good time, just given the state of their bullpen and the the disarray that is their rotation. We'll have more with my conversation with Chandler Rome in just a moment, but if you'd like to read more about the A's Astros series, go to sfchronicle.com and to subscribe to the Chronicle, go to sfchronicle.com slash pod. From a maybe a little bit of an insidery baseball writer perspective, um, uh, you've had uh, like a fascinating <laughs> kind of time covering the Astros, one would imagine. So I want to ask you about that. Last year in the postseason, obviously, there was a lot of controversy with the um, assistant GM and the, his remarks post-game to some women reporters, and you had to cover all that. And then, of course, the cheating scandal. What has it been like as a baseball writer covering a team that goes to the World Series, but you're also covering all this other stuff that's going on behind the scenes? Well, I think it, it, it's compounded by the fact that I wasn't covering the team in 2017. So I was just kind of dropped in the middle of, of you know, after all the things happened in 2017, I, I came at the beginning of the 2018 season. So um, getting up to speed a little bit was, was, was difficult, especially getting up to speed with while you're covering a, a, the 2018 team that some argue was better than the 2017 team. And then the 2019 team was probably better than both of those other two teams. So it has been not limited to baseball, as you've said. Um, there's been a lot of uh, – it, it's, never, it's never slow. You're always busy, and it's usually not about baseball. But, um, you know, we can talk about how difficult the, the situation is now with covering the game, with covering um, – with not having the access that you'd like to have. But um, I'm just happy that we have these problems. I'm happy that there is a season going on right now. Um, you hope that it can continue safely. Um, but I'm just I'm happy that there is baseball going on and I'm happy that it can maybe provide some form of distraction for what's happening around the globe. But the Astros, um, even when even when the stuff came out and even during spring training, you could tell that it, it was a, it was a little bit of downer in the clubhouse. Guys were not maybe as 
as forthcoming. Guys are not as available, which you would expect. Um, and, and I wonder, and it's difficult to get a gauge on, and that's the one thing I, I maybe miss the most about being in the clubhouse. It, it's difficult to get a gauge on the psyche of these guys, the psyche of the club um, now. Um, you see Jose Altuve slumping. You see him struggling so mightily, and you only see what you get on the field, and you can hope and pray that the Astros make him available after the game, and usually those hopes and prayers go unanswered. So you you have to kind of guess, and you have to kind of see there, and you, and you don't know what's going on and how these guys are handling things day in and day out. And I think that that's one of the intricate things that when we get back in the clubhouse, I think it'll be interesting for us to see how the Astros have, have coped with everything that's happened in the past five or six months because this has been it's been trying for everyone i think it's been trying for everyone in this country the past five or six months and the astros certainly um that they have everything that's been about the pandemic that's been trying on top of being the villains of baseball and i think the one thing that's missing from my coverage and it's missing i think from all baseball coverage is we just can't accurately ascertain how these guys are handling it psychologically yeah 100 percent. and you know we're missing a lot of you you can't get guys to sort of say talk to you off the record obviously on on any right. of these video calls and sometimes that's the best way to say like hey you know i know you don't want to talk about this on the record but you know off the record how are you feeling like just to get it like say chris davis for example he doesn't he, he's declined numerous interview requests over the last week or so because he's been struggling. Totally understandable. But in a clubhouse situation, you'd probably be able to kind of go up to him if you know him, have a decent relationship, and just kind of check in with him even if he doesn't necessarily want to talk on the record. Or you might be able to coax him into a one-on-one, but he maybe he just doesn't want to do the big group thing. And, and that's definitely missing from everyone's coverage right now, which uh, that has been tough. Now, you are doing something a lot of baseball writers right now aren't doing. You're traveling. Um, what has that been like, covering baseball on the road right now? And it, obviously, some, some people did it for the opening series if they, the team started on the road, but it looks like you're doing all the road games, right? So it should be noted that this is, I am in Phoenix, Arizona right now for the Astros three-game series against the D-backs, and then I'll go to Oakland for their three-game set this weekend. I was not allowed in the ballpark in Anaheim because they are the only club in baseball, I believe, that is make, ma- mandating a 14-day quarantine for anyone that was on a commercial flight before they're allowed to enter the ballpark. So, no, I won't make every road trip because Anaheim um, has that stipulation. But as of right now, um, I have been given the okay to to travel um, as much as I feel comfortable doing. And I would not use the word comfortable as probably the best adjective to say of how I feel traveling. But I do feel secure and safe and knowing that, that I take all the precautions I can, that, that, you know, I'm in my hotel and I haven't left today, that I've got, a number of masks that I can wear on the plane. I've got every sort of alcohol wipe and every sort of hand sanitizer you can imagine. Um, But I do think um, there is, while it may not be tangible, while it may not be something that will jump off the page or jump off the screen when you read the story, I think there's always value in being there. I think there's always value in being where your team is, being where the team you cover is. Take last night, for example. Um, Chase Field decided to open the roof between the third and the fourth inning last night. And Lance McCullers Jr. um, had been perfect through three innings, and then his first inning um, outdoors in 102-degree heat in Phoenix, he gave up eight earned runs and didn't get out of the inning. Um, Certainly now you can see they would mention on TV, oh, the roof's open, but I I think being there and feeling how the atmosphere changed, seeing how the ball carried so much more to the outfield, seeing Lance McCullers' 
um, pretty visceral reactions to balls that he thought would be outs that just ended up carrying and carrying and hitting the wall and things like that. And just being that, that just added, I think, I hope it came through in what I wrote. I, I think it added a little bit of, um, added a little bit of a layer of nuance and then maybe other stories and, and things that people aren't here maybe didn't have. So um, I, I think traveling is necessary. And I think certainly guys do respect, and, and Susan, you know this too, that, that ball players and people in the industry respect people that show up. Yep. They respect people that are there every day. They respect people that whether they've written something, you know, that's negative, positive, whatever. They respect the people that show up the next day. And I, and I hope that the Astros and I hope that the players that we do get on Zoom are, are cognizant of that. And, I, and you know, I love this. I love covering baseball and I love my job. And I want to do it to the best of my ability. And I think while there may not be any value, there's no advantage to traveling right now, I think it's important for the Chronicle to be there. Yeah, I, I'm jealous because I feel exactly the same way and I would love to be at games, although I... Uh, a little bit older than you, so a little slightly more at risk and uh, don't love the idea of commercial travel. But you and I both work for the same parent company, the Hearst Corporation. Yay. Uh, and they they have, as you know, they've, they've sort of said, like, hey, if you can avoid air travel and drive places, great. So that's kind of what the, the what we're working under. So, But I am definitely does because it is, you know, I keep hearing from pro scouts all the time that pro scouts are not allowed in, in ballparks and they're forced to do all their scouting on TV and that you just can't, you can't pick up a lot of things. You can't watch a guy, one guy in particular at a defensive position. You miss a lot of, of potentially uh, shifts depending on the camera angles. The camera angles behind, you know, are, aren't necessarily showing you the best angle even for the pitches. So, uh, yeah, I think we would all much prefer just to be in the ballpark. Everyone would. Fans, too. So, um, yeah. yeah, and I and I think I would add, too, that the I mean, the Astros have a new they have a new manager and seeing how Dusty Baker is in the dugout. I've, I've never covered Dusty Baker. I, I don't know how he interacts with players in the dugout. I don't know how he kind of manages a dugout, how he manages himself during games, how reliant he is on his assistant coaches. So I, I think being there to see how he's adjusting to this new normal, um, I think that's important as well. And um, you look last night, you know, the Astros had to play Cole Calhoun in an inside the park home run. And on TV, you just saw a really weird ricochet and everybody thought, oh, wow, that was just the weirdest play you've ever seen. But then when you're there, you notice that Miles Straw, the center fielder, didn't back up the right fielder, George Springer. And it wasn't a, the inside the park home run was not just this weird, wacky play. It was the Astros not being sound defensively. And it was Miles Straw getting a late break on a ball. And again, to your your pro scouts point, I don't think that's something you would see on TV. That's just something that you kind of have to be there to notice. So, um, yeah, I think certainly with this club too, um, with the, I think with the Astros specifically, um, we mentioned before the, the possibility of flare-ups on the field. Um, we mentioned how things could could go awry and go south i think a lot of people don't realize that the joe kelly benches clearing thing happened between innings yeah um the cam the cameras weren't rolling the tv the a lot of the tv uh broadcasts had to come back from break and say oh between innings here's what happened right and if if you're at home you don't get to see that you don't get to see how it starts and things like that so with the astros i don't have my headphones in games anymore i'm always uh i'm always listening to see what's going on on the field and hearing if i can uh Karen, if I can spot any vitriol coming from the opposing dugout. 
Well, Chandler, you always seem one step ahead of me on this interview and probably most other times too, but um, you mentioned Dusty Baker. That was going to be my final question because, of course, there's so much love for Dusty Baker in the Bay Area. He's a Northern California and Eastern Sacramento. We manage the Giants. We all, uh, everyone in the Bay Area media knows and loves Dusty. So what are your impressions of Dusty and how lucky are you to, I mean, you also had one of my favorites in A.J. Hinch. I'm not going to go into the whole steroid thing, but, you know, also Northern California connections. But you've had some good ones to cover there. It has certainly gone from one spectrum to the other, from A.J. Hinch to Dusty Baker. And I think it's been an adjustment, for, for certainly for me, because like you mentioned, I mean, I started the beat in 2018, and A.J. Hinch is the only manager I've really ever known. Um, and you, from being around A.J., you know how hands-on he was, how able to just eloquently recite everything. He knew everything. He had such detail and such schedules and – he knew everything about anything that was going on. And Dusty Baker is a little bit more old school. He, he relies on his pitching coaches to handle the, to handle the pitching staff. He relies on bench coach Joe Espada to do a, a lot of the stuff with his infielders. He relies on Gary Pettis with the outfielders. And, and he's just kind of overseeing it all. And he's not as specific as A.J. Hinch. He's not maybe as detailed or forthcoming about a lot of stuff. But that's also kind of the era in baseball I think he was bred up in. He, he's, he's an older school manager, and um, he's not as detailed about injuries. Um, he's had a lot to detail with injuries these first couple weeks. He's not as detailed there maybe as A.J. Hinch was. But it is you never leave a Dusty Baker interview session without having learned something or without um, him name-dropping someone in baseball that I'm like, man, he knows him too. Like the stories that he has, the experience that he has, and it's not even just on the baseball field. It's, you know, in the realm of social justice where we've been, we've been talking about the last month or two. It's the realm of his playing career. It's the people he's come across. It's um, his family. Just he, he can regale you with stories about things that are just unbelievable, and it leaves you just kind of in, in awe as you leave uh, as you leave an interview session. And you may not have – you may not have gotten exactly what you needed for your notebook. You may not have gotten the exact quote that you need for the story that you're writing, but you still leave and you're like, man, I think I learned something. I think Dusty Baker taught me something about baseball today. And um, he is, this is why the Astros hired him. And I think you saw certainly after the Joe Kelly situation, how he handled that afterward, yeah. um, how he came out and was defending his guys. And he is going to be, um, he may not know these guys very well just yet, but, He's going to be their guy. He's going to be in their back. He's going to be have their back and be in their corner. And he is going to be the guy that can be the face of this and take the brunt of some of the stuff that's coming. So you can see very clearly why the Astros hired Dusty Baker to be their manager. And um, it's a departure from AJ Hinch, and it's certainly taken a little bit of getting used to. But um, we, uh, we certainly are lucky to hear a lot of what Dusty Baker has to say on a daily basis. For sure. Well, I'm looking forward to waving at you and waving at Dusty from afar <laughs> this weekend. Chandler Rome, thanks so much for joining us on Ace Plus. All right. Thanks, Susan. Thanks again to Chandler Rome for joining us on Ace Plus. You can find more of Chandler's work at the Houston Chronicles website, cron.com. And Chandler is on Twitter at Chandler underscore Rome, R-O-M-E. Our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We'll be back again next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening.